Hello and welcome to Full Time with Meg Linehan. That's me, your host as always. So the news has not slowed down. We're one week both into the NWSL Fall Series and the new FAWSL season. Hopefully everyone is enjoying watching all of these games on television. More on that later in the show, thanks to Esmeralda Negron of Atalanta Media joining us for today's pod. I'm also joined by Lindsay Horan of Portland Thorns FC to discuss her approach to the Fall Series with her team and more. First, let's get you caught up on all the big stories of the week. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, as we usually try to. Let's start with Manchester United, finally announcing Tobin Heath and Kristen Press as their newest signings. Now, this has been in the works for a long time, and we're finally across the line. Both players are signed through the end of the 2020-2021 season. Just make sure you put November 15th on your calendar now. That's when United will face off against Manchester City, featuring Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle, and I feel like that game is going to have some real narratives around it for many obvious reasons. So there's still a ton of roster news happening across the NWSL with transfers still being announced, but players are also opting out of the fall series for many reasons. The lack of a bubble has obviously changed things, and there's there's just too much to run through in its entirety on this podcast intro, but I did want to focus on one team in particular, the North Carolina Courage. Now, North Carolina is going to be in a tough spot when it comes to their roster. Denise O'Sullivan is on loan to Brighton in the WSL, but multiple players have opted out. Neil Morris reported earlier this week that Crystal Dunn, Abby Ursag, Kristen Hamilton, and Jaylene Daniels were all opting out. And by Tuesday, he reported that list also included Jessica McDonald. Abby Dahlkemper and Lynn Williams are prepared to play all the matches for the Courage, but this will certainly be a look into Riley's depth chart, and the team has already started making some short-term signings as well. I reported this week that we do finally have dates for the NWSL expansion draft, if not the rules yet. So the NWSL Fall Series ends on October 17th. By November 4th, teams will have to submit their lists of protected players to the league, and the next day on November 5th, that final list for all nine teams is then sent back out. The actual NWSL expansion draft will take place November 12th at noon Eastern. Again, no details yet on rules and how this will take place and how we'll be able to follow along. The NWSL trade window then opens back up on November 13th. I do expect that this expansion draft will only be for racing Louisville FC. All sources have been indicating so far that Sacramento expansion will not take place for 2021, which is the right call for both that team and the league. So the final big news item I wanted to discuss with you this week involves the National Soccer Hall of Fame with Carlos Bocanegra, the only player making the class of 2020. Left on the voting floor, Kate Markgraf, Shannon Box, and Lauren Holiday, and the big snub that's rightly gotten a lot of attention Hope Solo. It was her first year on the ballot, but considering her playing career, she would have been a shoe-in for making it through on her first ballot, but she fell short with 57.3% of that vote. Solo did actually provide a statement to The Athletic. You can read the full thing in my latest article. I'll have a link for you in the show notes if you're interested, but I did want to read a portion of it here. I'm saddened by how those who control the game continue to make intentional efforts to minimize my place in our history. Hall of Fame voters from U.S. Soccer, MLS, and NWSL fully understand the significance of making the Hall of Fame on the first ballot to an athlete's legacy. Any attempts to punish me by keeping me out only exposes the ongoing failures by the Federation and those under its influence. It also does nothing to weaken my fight, lessen my voice, or deter me from pushing for the reforms they have yet to make. 
All right, so that's the news. But before we get this episode truly underway with Lindsay Horan, I do like if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, I do have a quick pitch for you. This week, we rolled out a number of new features, including breaking news and real time reactions, plus this new A1 feature I'm really excited about. Personally, I'm working on one of those big features now. I can't wait to share it with you later this fall. But many of you have also probably seen me tweeting about how your support directly helps my work, and it helps prove that there's value to coverage of women's soccer. I named this podcast Full-Time with Meg Linehan because of this belief that full-time coverage matters and has value, and The Athletic has been hugely ahead of the curve on this front. It's more than just sending me to the World Cup last summer in France for a month of coverage. It's buying into the NWSL. It's starting this podcast that you're listening to right now. It's also the company listening to how we can improve the user experience on the site and app for women sports fans. It's enabling my work at all levels. And I'm always striving to make my work and our coverage better and make sure that you have value in this work too. So The Athletic has made a commitment. I've made one too. I'm going to be here through the 2023 World Cup at least. I've got the full four-year cycle, right? That's all we ever want in soccer, the full four-year cycle. And much like any national team, that means I actually do get to make some big plans. So here's where you come in with the launch, thanks to the fact that we're celebrating 1 million subscribers. If you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, if you just listen to this podcast, thanks to the fact that it lives outside of our paywall, you can get a new subscription for $1 a month. So that's $12 for the next year. I'd like to think that's worth your investment. You can sign up for that at theathletic.com slash full-time. So you get access to the whole site, all of the exclusive in-depth reporting, plus our new features, that breaking news, everything. And I'd also like to think that my coverage is worth it and that I convince you to stick around next summer and the summer after that and the summer after that. We've still got Olympics. We've got the Euros. I've got a trip to Australia and New Zealand to start planning. And I hope that you're going to take this journey with me. But again, that's theathletic.com slash full-time to sign up today. And when you use that link, again, that proves that you're listening to this podcast, that you're supporting women's soccer coverage. So that's my pitch. If you want to talk about it more, you know where to find me. Okay, so first up, I'm joined by Lindsay Horan of The Thorns. Now, just as a heads up for everyone listening to this, we did record with Lindsay late last week. So if you hear a reference to Brazil's announcement about equal pay coming yesterday, that's why. So with that said, here's Lindsay. All right, Lindsay, I I want to start with just your <laughs> general thoughts on fall series. Um, this one really, like, Challenge Cup came together really quickly, <laughs> it felt like. This one, it feels like we're in the plane and it's still being built <laughs> as we're trying to launch it, right, into fall series. Your yeah. your first game is the 12th against Oil Rain. It's a game on, on national television. Where are you at in terms of preparation, in terms of where the team is at? Obviously, there's a lot of moving pieces happening right at the moment. Yeah, um, it's been tough. It's kind of been been tough for everyone to mentally just, like, come around again. Um, you know, after, after the Challenge Cup and, you know, you take a little bit of time off and now you're coming back for this kind of unknown. And, um, yeah, there's still bits and pieces that we really – don't know. Um, but at the same time, I think for us, you know, we even met as a team and, and some of our takeaways were, you know, here's four more games that, you know, we can play and a lot of other teams, um, a lot of other athletes, um, in the world aren't able to do this. So why not make the most of it? And I think it gives us another opportunity to, you know, with a team that has most of their players still here, 
you know, actually train and develop and grow um, and work on things that we want to work on. And again, wrapping our heads, heads around the, that um, has helped. Uh, again, it's, it's still this like weird kind of phase that we're all going through. Um, but yeah, making the most of it, being with the team is great um, and training day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit easier to actually like be home as opposed to the yeah. bubble environment? <laughs> I, well, have, like... fair, I, I actually enjoyed the, the bubble. Um, <laughs> I don't know if everyone agrees on that, but like I had a really good time. Um, but it, it, it is nice to actually be here in Portland. Right. In terms of, you know, I feel like you in particular had a, a challenge cup that ended in a way that you probably did not enjoy. I mean, kind of the last image of you was, was having to come off due to injury. First of all, how are you in terms of <laughs> bouncing back? <Healthy>. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm doing well, obviously. Yeah. That's not how I wanted to end the challenge cup. And I think, again, it was like something once you wrapped your mind around what we were doing, you know, you were full in and I, I felt like I was a hundred percent in and it's not a, a world cup. It's not like a normal season, but again, it, it's like not a great feeling going out like that and losing in the semifinal. And, um, you know, again, credit to Houston and, and what they did, but you know, that's not, that's not a Portland thorn, um, you know, final performance. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of motivation comes from that for us and, and for me as well. And obviously with the injury, you know, now being back here and playing is, is exciting again. What are the takeaways that you think you and the team actually got out of Challenge Cup? Obviously, I think that game against <laughs> North Carolina in the first round and the knockouts was probably one of the most intense of the yeah. Challenge Cup. But what were what are some of the things that, you know, Mark has been talking to you about that the team has been talking about in terms of, things that you can actually kind of wrap your heads around for 2020 when it's not, you know, it's challenge cup and then four games. Right. Yeah. I think for us, it's, it's been more about like, how can we get back to that Portland thorn style that, you know, we're known for and and the mentality of this club and, you know, a winning mentality and the way we play and the way that we conduct ourselves off the field. Um, I think we kind of found that again during the challenge cup. It was, again, like I said, it was, it was really enjoyable. And I think, um, the group was was amazing. There's no problems, and we we actually had a lot of fun. And then on the field, you know, we were um, trying things, and obviously it didn't always go our way. Um, we didn't get a lot of wins out of the Challenge Cup, but again, I think credit to us and what we were trying to do. And and you know, we battled through um, the group stage and being um, so far down on the table, and then coming away with that win against North Carolina, who's basically a huge rival for us and um you know playing against someone that continuously wins which is again a, a huge highlight of the NWSL a team that can continue, continuously do that is huge um I think that was big for us and I think that's kind of like our stepping stone right now is we we could do that and we want to be able to do that again and again and right. get back to being the most hated club in the NWSL <laughs> which I, I feel like is now North Carolina because everyone's rooting against them but which is what you want, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. is rooting against North Carolina because they're the best team and they always win. Um, so it was funny being on the other side of <laughs> the people actually rooting for us to win that game. Right. Do you think actually like just to totally sidetrack here for a second, but Angel City coming into the league in a couple of years, it feels like they could instantly have kind of the most hated team outside yeah. of 
Los Angeles, right? Just depending on the talent that they attract, but like yeah. the ownership group, right? Like now there, there's really some competition for most hated team, maybe between Portland and North Carolina. We've got Angel City coming in the mix. To, to be honest, I feel like we've always been the most hated team, and I don't understand why, and it never changes. The only reason North Carolina took it for a bit was because they were winning. So um, who knows? I, I think the way people look at uh, Angel City now is just it's very exciting, and it's great for the league. Um, and obviously we just need more teams and more people, you know, wanting to put into the NWSL as well is, is exciting. So – I'm very happy about that. Awesome. Speaking of people who want to put money into the NWSL, I mean, I remember standing around a table with you at a U.S. Women's National Team hotel in France last summer asking you about the new ESPN deal for the league that had just kind of like just come together during the tail end of the World Cup. And now, you know, the first game that you're going to be playing in the season is on big CBS, right? And we're not talking just like ESPN. We're at big CBS. Yeah. The numbers have been really good. Just kind of curious, like... You know, we, we spoke last summer about how important a television deal is, but what has what have you seen as a player out of that CBS deal and what this could potentially mean for the league? Yeah, I think I remember it might have been one of your tweets, actually, um, after the first game and the, the numbers. I don't know the exact mm-hmm. number that we, we got for that game, but it was so cool. And, like, seeing the comparison to other teams, other leagues, um, was really exciting. And I'm like, when I looked at that, it wasn't like – shocking to me it was kind of just like well this is what you know it could have been you know years ago but now you know someone's investing in us and and is excited about us so I think that's a huge credit to you know what Lisa is doing as well and you know getting the CBS deal is is incredible and I think um I hope it continues that's how it should be um and like even in the fall series it, it was kind of a big unknown um and they're investing again and they want to put these games on TV. So I think that's really cool. Um, I'm excited just because we want people to be able to watch us and, you know, game this weekend and then us playing against the rain, you know, it's a rivalry. That's what should be on TV and that's what people right. should be seeing. That's the, yeah. you know, the best game is always the Portland um, OL rain now. Uh, <laughs> game. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to continuously say Seattle. because Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Don't worry. I think, I think a lot of us who have been around a while are still in that like rain at nope. See it. Nope. Oh, well, right. Okay. There we go. Right. Seattle, yeah. rain, Leon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got there. I, I'm, I'm also wondering what it's going to be like, obviously first game, the 12th against the rain is at Providence park, but there won't be fans there. And I'm, very interested to hear your thoughts. I mean, I have been to many, many games in Portland. I have stood in front of the North End. I've stood in front of the Riveters. I've actually had to ask them to, like, not bang a pole directly behind my head because I am concerned about my own hearing. Yeah. <laughs> what is it going to be like to play in that building without having them there? Um. Yeah, I was actually talking about this today. Um it's going to be bizarre, um, but I think also comforting, you know, being at home, uh, being in our stadium, being on our on our field, I think is always a comforting feeling, even if we're, you know, here training. Um, you know, the the supporters have been with us since we were in Challenge Cup and, and even through this whole year. Um, and we, you know, we always want to play for them. And I think we can feel them. They're in, they're in the stadium. And I think that's, 
that's always cool for us is knowing that like they're behind us no matter what they're watching and and um you know whatever we can put out there you know to, <laughs> to keep them going and and again we're so grateful for the the fan base that we have and just this city in general i don't think again a lot of a lot of teams have that so it is it is such a bummer you know we're we're back here playing in the stadium but we can't have our incredible fans there and we hope that someday soon that will that will happen because I miss them so much but uh for now you know this is this is incredible and we have to be grateful that we can be back at our stadium playing um and being in Portland at home um I think we'll still be an exciting game in itself but yeah it's gonna be weird <laughs> missing them <laughs> Yeah. I'm expecting that the Rivers are going to figure out a way to work with the team to still hang banners. So it will still kind of look kind of, you know, like a normal Thorns day. But yeah, yeah. there is going to be it is going to be a little it's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah. So what has it been like being back in Portland? I know, obviously, there's there's a lot of news happening around us, right? Like not only are we trying to play games in the middle of a pandemic, but we're also trying to play games in the middle of looking at ourselves as a country, right? And Portland has been kind of at the heart of that. And, you know, the Riveters and the 107ists have been extremely involved, I think, in the community and have also gone through kind of their own look at their own internal culture. But what what has it been like actually being back in Portland as as things were starting to really start to escalate right at the tail end of the Challenge Cup? Yeah, um, you know, it was crazy because it was it was pretty bad even before we left for the Challenge Cup. And um, it's kind of like, you know, it's hard to see in some ways. And then in other ways, it's like you understand. Um, and for me, it, you know, you go into the Challenge Cup and it was everything was about that and kind of forgot like what was going on here and forgot about, you know, everything on the news because we're literally so focused on um, – everything there and we get back to Portland still like as bad or worse. Um, and it's still, you know, um, where it is and it's, it's crazy. We've had a few team talks and which I think is, has helped gotten a lot of people's thoughts off their, their chests and, and continuing to, you know, speak on all the, the issues and, and problems in our world right now. So I think that that is very helpful, helpful for us, but it's, it's still a bit scary, you know, that this is still going on and, and, what the world is right now but again you know we're we're hoping for change and um and anything that we can do to to help that and and help that process is is so important and mm -hmm. our platform and and you see what players are doing around the leagues and um in the world in general so um mm -hmm. yeah it's been a a tough thing to see but you have to understand bits and yeah. pieces yeah i think we're also you know, I, my my last week has been reporting on Utah a bit, and and we don't necessarily need to get into the specifics of Utah, but I did notice that you had retweeted Becky Sauerbrunn's tweet, your now teammate in Portland, um, yeah. about you know the approach to excellence, right? That if certain players <laughs> were promoted over another, right? And and Becky's point was, I, I personally enjoyed the fact that she phrased it as this is bullshit that they can't sell excellence. Like, if you can't sell excellence like us, what can you sell? And when you're, when you're seeing a tweet like that come from Becky, who I think obviously is not afraid to speak her mind on most issues, but what is your reaction to that in terms of seeing some of these issues still playing out within the NWSL in terms of how men might be approaching the league, the players, that sort of thing? 
Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a tough one for me because I I feel like I have a deeper feeling for all this. Um, you know, even before Becky had sent out her tweet, I had seen the comments going on social media, and I spoke to one of my teammates about it. And you know, in the messages, we were just like, we really hope Becky's okay. Like, what should we do? And I'm like. I think let's wait it out. Let's see how she is. And and the next day, you know, it gets somehow gets brought up in training and Becky laughs it off. And I was like, so happy that that was the case, um, whether that's actually how she felt or not. Um, and her tweet was incredible. Um, I looked at it and I was, you know, so angry, I think, and with the rest of us. And I think a lot of people uh, feel similarly. Um, it's, it's so unfortunate. And I, I look at Becky and she's like such an incredible role model for me. And just, you know, <laughs> I, I say it to her all the day, uh, all the time. I'm like, you're literally perfect. I <laughs> love everything about you. Um, and just like, that's what everyone should strive to be like. Um, just how, how genuine Becky is, how, how much of an inspiration she is to, to you know young girls and boys out there and then you see her on the field and how incredible she is she's so humble um she's such a leader and i would just you know that that's something i would want to show all the time mm -hmm. this is the player that everyone should be striving to be like because she works her ass off on the field off the field she's a genuinely great person and you know such a huge role model for me as a, a young player on the national team and now she's a Portland Thorn which was like the cool like the best the best thing that could possibly happen you know me having her here that I get to yeah. now learn more from um so again without going even more into my tangent <laughs> it's, uh, no I mean you should just keep you yeah. know, we can just do another five minutes about how yeah. much we both appreciate Becky Sauerbrunn. I think mm -hmm. the listeners would appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, again, it's, it's just, it's so unfortunate when you read that stuff, but, um, it's a reminder for how some people actually think. And, um, it, <laughs> again, it is, it's so infuriating and I just, I love, what Becky said, you know, even in, in training, what she said to us, um, and she takes she takes it out how it is and, and sets a good example for us and how she reacted to it. People could have blown up, um, been more upset. It, again, you don't know how she truly feels deep down, and, and that's something we, we, you know, can think about as well because um, no one likes to hear those comments. But, again, Becky is is such an incredible human being and I love her to death and the way that she took that and you know there's other players mentioned on that um who are such incredible athletes and people as well that yep. should always be you know presented and shown and um celebrated as well for what they do how how much work they put into the game and, and everything outside um so again very very frustrating all right. So before before I let you go, I did want to get your your big picture thoughts, maybe on women's soccer. We've got NWSL games on CBS. We just got news this week that NBC Sports has picked up FAWSL, right? So we can now watch Sam and Rose. It's about time. <laughs> My goodness. 
So, you know, maybe maybe there are a few people out there that are a little nervous about some competition for NWSL, but I think fundamentally the growth of women's soccer anywhere and everywhere only benefits everyone else. So um, where are you at in terms of potential for not just women's soccer on TV, but maybe women's soccer from a, a global perspective at, at the club level? Um, well, one, I think <laughs> seeing what what NBC Sports – or sorry – yeah, NBC Sports is, mm-hmm. is doing um, is incredible because I don't know how many times I've went to go watch uh, games um, in England and I can't find a link. I can't, you know, it's it's the most annoying thing. Um, and it's it's funny now that, you know, Rose and Sam are over there. Now we can watch, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm really happy that it's the case now. And again, I don't know if... Um, if it's much like competition, I think it's just, it's an exciting thing for the world for, for women in general. And the fact that you can gain more access to, you know, watching, um, you know, living in, in their life and, and seeing what they do every single day. Um, I think it's, it's so exciting. And then it just sets an example for, for us, for, for leagues around the world and, and what they should be doing. I mean, you saw what uh, the Brazil uh, Federation put out, I think today, uh, which was absolutely incredible. So you look at things like that and I think it's just exciting. And I think every league, every, every federation can look at these, look at these things and, and know that, you know, this should be the case. Um, and again, you know, like CBS investing in, in these leagues and, and knowing that it works out when you see the numbers pop yeah. up after the challenge cup, I think, you know, they, uh, they learned that it was, it was a good decision. So um, I'm really excited. Now I get to watch my friends in, in England, but, but also watch all the other teams and, and, you know, cause you don't see all it. Like I, I know how Man City plays maybe and, mm-hmm. and Chelsea, um, but I, I don't know much about any other team over there because you can't gain access to them. So now it's, it's actually exciting. Um, yeah. And that's how it should be. Yeah. Are, are you going to be watching Man City games just like live texting your thoughts to Rose and Sam? Like, is there a yeah, group chat I'll that you're just going to roast them? Yeah, I'll give my pointers. Okay. I need it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time, Lindsay. Super appreciate it. And, and good luck at the fall series. And uh, hopefully we'll all be watching on CBS. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So thanks to Lindsay for joining us. Again, you can watch Portland host O.L. Reign on CBS this Sunday at 3.30 Eastern, 1230 Pacific. And we'll be right back with our next segment after this quick break. Next up, we've got Esmeralda Negron of Atalanta Media joining full time to discuss bringing women's football to television. So let's let's actually just start with the formation of this company, right? How did you get here? And I, I have to imagine that you just kind of saw this gap, right? That no one else has a company that is actually focused on women's football rights. So how how do you get to this moment in time? <laughs> that's that's a good question. I think, and it's funny because I think this this answer started a really really long time ago. Um, I grew up playing the game. I was incredibly passionate about it, played at the highest levels, played collegiately at Princeton, um, played with the U.S. Women's National Team at the U21 level alongside like uh, Megan Rapino and Allie Krieger and Carly Lloyd. That's kind of my age group there. Um, and all I wanted to do was play the game, be a professional. My aspiration was to be on the U.S. Women's National Team at, at some point in my life. Um, but, you know, the, the conditions, I think, were 
weren't the best at the time. I graduated in 2005 and Wusa had just folded the first iteration of the pro league. So I actually was one of the first Americans, I think, to go over to play overseas. I played a season in France, a season in Germany. Um, but if you can think about 2005, it wasn't very professionalized. And so, it, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't right um, to stay there in the long term. Um, got back, came back and, and got uh, recruited to come back into college coaching from an old uh, youth co coach of mine um, at Seton Hall first. And um, with kind of the thought I'd return to playing when the next iteration came back. And it just never happened. I think, you know, it's hard to give up at a certain point full, you know, salary and benefits, you know, it just, it just wasn't quite there. And it was a really hard, I think, road for me for somebody who was so intense and loved the game so much and wanted to play and make a living of it. So I, I want to, I'm going back in time because I think it kind of started then. Right. Um, and then, you know, I think I knew I wanted to, I knew I didn't want to stay in college coaching. I, I knew that wasn't for me in the long term, but I didn't know what to do. And I got in contact with the folks at Relevant Sports and the ICC, um, who I know you work with now. And, um, you know, I said, you know, I, I just started to get involved on the men's side, you know, from a, an intern to a consultant um, to then coming on full time in 2018 to help launch um, and kind of run the Women's International Champions Cup, which was, I was incredibly passionate and excited about. Um, and, you know, that was that was very eye opening because while I knew there was growth on the women's side and I, you know, I wanted them to start this women's tournament, um, you know, when you start to work in that realm you kind of realize the gaps and the challenges and, and and what the women's game kind of was up against and it by no fault of anyone really it's just it's also in its infancy as well so I think sometimes people forget about that um you know and I think just just you know just basic marketing uh coverage of the game you know even with our women's ICC just trying to ensure that it got that proper coverage and from a broadcast perspective just the visibility you know and I think you know, we would try, we would start to market these matches in these markets and, and you'd be surprised how few people knew about some of the best players in the world. You know, we had Olympic Leonese at like an open training at UNC and Anson was incredible and did this great like marketing campaign and supported us. And, you know, he's been a, a big fan of us. Um, but anyway, he, you know, he supported, but, you know, still so few people came out and, you know, watched this opportunity to see the likes of a Wendy Reynard and a Lucy Bronze and the Ada Hegeberg. Um, I mean, you could go through the whole roster and it was no. exciting to see them, right? So I think seeing that, I was like, how do these people not know or how do fans of the game not know that these women exist? And this is, to me, so exciting. Um, and I think it's a big, it's a visibility issue. You know, they don't, they're not on TV day in, day out. It's very difficult to kind of build that fandom around the game because it's just not there, right? So, so I can't access it. You can't access it. I would scour the internet looking for um, Champions League matches or the biggest matches, you know, Lyon PSG, because I got close to these clubs working with them for two years and about to work with them on a third year as well. So I think that was like, you know, that was the biggest issue. And I became, I met actually Hannah Brown, my co-founder at Relevant Sports mm -hmm. Group. Uh, she's got a big time um, kind of experience and skill set in, in media rights and worked for Sky Sports for, I think, 10 years. She's, she's incredible. Um, and so I would be like, you know, became great friends, became roommates in New York City. I'd be like, why can't I watch this game? Like, help me understand what do we need to do, what do we need to do? And it just kind of like in November, December uh, of 2019, so not that long ago, you know, we started to think about what could we do to change this? Um, could we aggregate rights? Could we invest in the leagues? Could we make it easy to just get them on this? 
platform so that at least they're visible and, and it can start to kind of, um, you know, the, the value of women's football at the club level can start to increase for everybody involved, whether that's the clubs, the leagues, the part, uh, um, the players, the commercial partners, so they can realize their, you know, their potential and their investment. Um, and so we came up with this idea, we think sometimes a harebrained idea, but anyway, we went to um, some, uh, NBC in January and presented the idea and we said, look, we, you know, if we invest in the WSL, will you help us? Yeah, you know, will you support us in what we're trying to do? And they were incredibly uh, supportive, amazing people. They've been a joy, complete joy to work with. Um, talk about a great partner. Um, and, you know, that was kind of a start of something. And we kind of went off of that and, and, and started to speak to some investors, found some, an investment group pretty quickly. And, um, you know, lo and behold, not that long later, <laughs> we are here. and We just kind of launched the business last week and up and running this weekend on NBC with the WSL. So it was a quick turnaround, but I like to think that it was a long time in the making um, because I think my journey probably kind of led me to start to think about it and also obviously my relationship with Hannah and my our friendship and um, our brainstorming I think you know her expertise has been incredible and instrumental into this in this venture right in terms of both trying to launch a company at the same time that you're also trying to negotiate rights deals is <laughs> it, that sounds like it's potentially a little stressful and you know, <laughs> digging into, yeah. you know, the, I think everybody was very prepared of like, okay, well, here's how you watch FA player and right, like, here's how you sign people up. So having this NBC deal come together kind of so not necessarily, again, short term, but having it kind of launch so close to the start of the actual return to play. What is that process like from your point of view? Uh yeah, look, I mean, it's been a scramble. I mean, it's been a whirlwind over the last three months because we're dealing with contracts with the leagues. We're dealing with those intricacies, right, that come come along with that. We're dealing with our broadcast partners. Uh, we're dealing with our own set of, you know, needs and, and, and things that we need internally and also to build our own brand. So kind of marrying all these different uh needs from every every perspective um i think is not easy it's been a whirlwind but i think han and i uh, we're, we're not short of like um work ethic uh <laughs> you know we we work super hard and we're passionate about this and i think when you're passionate about something and realizing its potential and building something that we feel like is of really great value to everybody um you know it, it kind of invigorates you and energizes you but um if you can imagine we you know, we got all our paperwork with our venture, with our, you know, with our broadcast partners all over the line and a very, you know, quick turnaround, had to launch a platform, had to launch our website, our logo. If you think about all the things that go into a brand and launching that, um, it was a lot. <laughs> um, but all I can say is that we're really excited and, and it's certainly well worth it and we're passionate and invigorated by the, by the, by the project and the mission of, of the venture. Right. The timing also, it feels like, could not have been better in terms of you have all of these U.S. Yeah. players suddenly going over. And so now to have this natural interest with Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle, and, and you know, Wednesday's news of Kristen Press and Tobin Heath uh, signing with Manchester United finally being official. Yeah. You know, obviously that couldn't have been planned <laughs> quite to this extent. No. But, but how has that, you know, played out in terms of both obviously increased interest from an NBC point of view and an American point of view, but, 
you know, is that kind of like actually just proving the market? Yeah, I think it is. I, you know, we went we went into this, as you know, not having been able to kind of predict that that this would happen. Although I think having worked on the club side, you know, and Hannah and I spoke about it, you know, a lot together was, you know, it's it's almost a matter of time. Like, you know, you think about the record crowds at some of these big clubs and big brands in the world were getting last year, like with, you know, Atletico playing Barca and the Wanda in front of 60,000 people. Um, you know, you would imagine, you would think that some of these American players would, would love an experience, whether that's short-term or long-term, to kind of play in, in that type of environment and for some of these big, you know, football brands and clubs. Um, you know, and I think for us, it's 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 uh, certainly fortuitous that this happened because I think with there'll be even added interest. I think with the WSL matches on NBC, um, because the US Women's National Team has such a great fan base and people are excited, and and we hope that invigorates the market, invigorates you know the fandom, and it grows that. Um, but I think you know we we got a little bit lucky there, <laughs> um, you know. It, it, but it's it's exciting. I think it's exciting for fans here um, to be able to see those players um, compete at the international like club level as well. Um, you mm-hmm. know, as as getting the opportunity to watch them with the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team as well. Right, right. I I did want to pick out one thing that was in the release of the actual like formation of your company because. One of the goals of this company is to provide the year-round exposure and commercialization necessary for women's football to fulfill its potential. And this is always one of my favorite things to talk about. But the use of year-round, I think, is a really notable word choice for me because obviously, you know, you get these swells of interest, whether it's, you know, an NWSL season or WSL season, or obviously you have the World Cup, right, that has always provided this big swell of interest but how important is it to have a company that is actually going to be, you know, at the ground level working on on rights deals and and commercialization 100% of the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be incredibly beneficial for the game. Like you said, you know, the Women's World Cup came and went and you got you had these big swells. But then that same type of like. I want to say investment or energy that went into marketing and covering the women's world cup just never really kind of spilled over to the women's club game. And, and for understandable reasons, right. Um, it's, it's investment, it's resources, it's bandwidth to be able to do that. Um, you know, but I think, you know, in order for that part of the game to grow, you need that, you know, and, and part of our initiative is obviously, you know, we're, we're investing in global clip rights and all that stuff and, and hoping to kind of, push on a weekly basis highlights and stuff so even digital publishers can actually um, cover the match and don't find it so hard like I've you know I've spoken to so many people uh, already you know via interviews saying they're, they're so excited because they they can probably finally be able to find some of this stuff and cover the game in the way they maybe wanted to but it wasn't as accessible or easily you know readily available to them yeah yeah no I, I mean as someone who actually does now cover European soccer quite a bit more than I would have necessarily in just the athletic, right? Like doing the digital show with relevant La Liga North America. You know, I remember thinking at the very start, I was like, I'm going to need help (laughs) figuring out how to access some of this stuff, right? Because it's just not, 
there's always been this gap of, okay, well, maybe you can watch some of the other national team games, right? If there's interest or if they're streaming or, yeah. you know, maybe you get lucky and, and France has decided to put their national team on YouTube one day, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You, you, you have to be so sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have to be like Sherlock Holmes, right? In order to find like, okay, this stream is working and this one doesn't work in this country, right? Yeah. And it's not just <laughs> the US, but <laughs> yeah. all right. So on that note, on that note, you know, what, what comes next? I know I'm sure that you guys are, are working on some additional things, right? It's, it's not just ending with this WSL deal and you don't necessarily need to reveal state secrets, but in terms of, you know, even beyond just the short term, like what you're thinking about what 2021 looks right. Like we've got a full kind of cycle now yeah. ahead of the 2023 World Cup. Yeah. Um, I know NWSL, Lisa Baird really likes to talk about the full decade of soccer in this country yeah. that's lying ahead of us. So what what is next for you? Yeah, you know, obviously we want to we want to continue to support um, more leagues in the best way that we can. Um, I think a big initiative for us is to grow our own brands, and that's the Atta Football. Um, digital platform, which I think when I think about my journey as a young girl, I didn't have any sort of, I didn't have access to the, to female players. I remember the 99 World Cup and that was like a, such a big moment for me. You know, I remember being in the stadium. I watched one of the matches at Giant Stadium and I was a forward. So I was like, you know, Mayhem was my person after that. But, um, you know, re- being, having that regular access and realizing, okay, you know, I, I can be it because I can see it. I think that's a big thing. Um, and even if young girls like around the world, um, you know, don't ultimately go on to play at the professional levels, we want to create, you know, a centralized hub where they can access all things women's football um, and something that they really get a lot of value out of, whether that's, you know, live or on-demand matches if they want to replay them or uh, uh, player development clips or accessing the best kind of goals of the week. Uh, you know, we have a lot kind of big plans for the platform. Um, we really want to kind of galvanize and get these these young girls, not only in the U.S., but globally, giving them a platform that they can visit, something that provides a load of value and connects them to the game in a way that I don't think that they've really been able to to be connected to the game before. You know, I go back to my women's ICC days and, you know, in addition, we did uh, in 2018, we did like an integrated training camp uh, with some of the top players at East TNL and Portland and, um, you know, some of those players, you know, the four top got to play in with PSG in their exhibition match against Man City. And you should have seen, you know, their faces. They were beyond excited. But also, on the other hand, I realized they didn't even know that Man City had a women's team and they didn't know that PSG had this women's team and they didn't know how good they were. And, you know, this to me is like a big miss. You know, you know, you have this like, you know, really engaged, um, market of, of youth girls around the world that, you know, are missing this part of the game, um, and to be really connected. So for us, that's going to be a big one to grow up platform and to really provide this value and grow it in a really great and unique and valuable way. Um, and then anything that we can do to support, um, additional leagues, um, you know, and connecting them and get, and securing them some premium broadcasts, um, you know, we will do all that we can for the women's game and, and to continue to market it and cover it, um, you know, year round. All right. So where, where can people find, like, what's the best spot for people to go to if they want to follow along with what the, the company's doing? 
Yeah, so you can visit us on um, oddsoffootball.com. Um, we will, over the next few months, be building out our platform. So it's at the moment, you can access highlights and clips from the weekend matches if you want to just kind of take a look. Um, we will have some live matches uh, this Saturday. I believe it's Arsenal match will be live on oddsoffootball.com. Um, and, you know, as we, as we continue to work with more and more leagues, you'll be able to access more and more content, unique content, um, that we will house on that there. So just, just visit the website, um, follow us on social, Atta Football, and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be updating everybody on, um, progress with our platform and, um, additional partnerships that we hope will come in the near future. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. I super appreciate the time. And, and thank you again for personally making it so much easier for me to uh, <laughs> watch some games and do my job. It's always, I really enjoy it when I get like the alley-oop from someone else. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, I don't have to do anything. Thank you. That's always a nice feeling. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was right. a pleasure. Okay. All right. So thanks to both of our guests this week, Lindsay Horan as Marlon Negron for their time. And once again, uh, we've still got plenty of soccer to watch this weekend between the NWSL and the WSL. I, I hear a little league called the Premier League might be back as well. But we're still very blessed that, you know, these two women's leagues, the NWSL and the FAWSL, don't really overlap thanks to the time difference. So you can just watch women's football all weekend long, right? That's the dream. All right, one more thing for you. Going back to my unofficial book club roots here, I, I picked up Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland this weekend. Uh, went back to book culture for the first time in New York City and was very happy to be there. But I put up a post on my Instagram story and probably got more replies about this book than I've ever gotten about anything I've ever posted about on Instagram story. So clearly I'm late to the game on this, but it's an excellent read. And it's also revealing how little I actually did know about the Troubles. So that's my book club pick for this week. I'm sure I'll have more this fall as I keep reading. And I'm always down to talk about books, thanks to my lit major and Borders bookseller roots. So again, another thing that you can hit me up about. So that's it for this week's episode of Full Time with Meg Linehan. Also, bonus points from me this week if you get the reference I've made for the title of this episode. If you don't already subscribe to Full Time, you can do that at all of the usual podcast places, including Apple, Spotify, and The Athletic itself. Again, if you have five minutes, your ratings and reviews on Apple are a huge help so more people can find the show. Again, I read all of your comments, and I deeply, deeply appreciate them. And your reminder, again, for me on the, at the top of the show, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic already, you're getting NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team and U.K. Women's Football coverage, plus everything else we have to offer. And that offer right at the moment for a limited time is $1 a month at theathletic.com slash full time. You can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan. Thank you, as always, for listening. Mm-hmm.